welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, welcome to episode 263 of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. So excited for you to be joining me for this Friday's episode because we have Jessica Lamb back. She is from Skip to My Luca on Instagram. She's an extraordinary mom of two, one of whom has special needs. She is a former special education teacher and now works in the special education uh, field in her district, helping other teachers and families to navigate that world. And she's just overall a parenting expert. I trust her wholeheartedly. That's why I love having her on to ask her my personal parenting questions as well as to ask the questions I hear most from you and she answers some of the questions that she receives a lot as well. So we're covering a couple questions today and getting her feedback on how she would handle those situations and hopefully it will yield some wisdom for you. So let's get to it with Jessica. All right, I am so thrilled to have Jessica Lamb back on the show. Hey Jessica. Hey. Have you ever gone by a Jessica nickname at all? I have not personally. Yes, my family um, and friends actually call me Jessie. They do. That's um, so cute. Yeah, they do. But as I've gotten older, like, I've kind of just taken on the Jessica a little bit more, and I go by that, like, professionally and stuff, but still family calls me Jessie. Yeah, that's so cute. Well, it's kind of weird because I know a lot of Jessicas, but when I call somebody else Jessica, I don't think of it, like, as my own name. It's very strange. Like, it seems very separate. I don't know why. I understand. I understand that. I think it's probably because both of us grew up with so many Jessicas. I think so. Yeah, it was such a big name for our generation. (laughs) Yes, all my best friends were named Jessica. I had two best friends, both Jessica. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm just so so thrilled to have you back on the show last, no, two months ago, I guess now. Um, You did a question, a couple months ago, you were on Sharing Your Motherhood Journey. Um, You are at Skip to My Luca, in case people aren't familiar. But then you also came on to do a question and answer episode for some of the questions that you get the most in your sphere online. Um, You are a parenting expert, that's what I would consider you anyways, as well as an informant in terms of the special needs community, which has been so beneficial Um, Let's remind the listeners that I have typical children, but whether you have typical children or children with special needs, all of these parenting principles really do apply. So don't think just because you're not a parent of a child with special needs, these answers would not apply to you, right? Yes, definitely. They apply to everyone. Yep. And you have a son, Luca, who is just darling, and they'll have to check you out if they haven't already. But he does have special needs, and you have a daughter, Poppy, who is neurotypical. So you have both perspectives. That's why I think it's just so informational from your perspective. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, let's just get started with some questions that we both get very often. Um, and I can't remember if this was yours or mine because I think we both hear it. So how would you suggest a parent deals with a child that's not wanting to do something? They are pushing back about going to school. They're not wanting to get ready for soccer practice. Um, they're not, you know, they're just not compliant. How do we help kids to overcome that and ultimately 
do what we want, but not in a forceful or mean way. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one, and it's hard. Um, I think the first step is really figuring out what's going on. Like, why do they not want to do it? Because I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own like schedules and our own needs from our children that we're thinking, okay, it doesn't matter. Like, you just need to go to school. <laughs> that's just what mm-hmm. we do. But I think oftentimes there could be an underlying issue that maybe the reason why they don't want to go to school or why they don't want to go to soccer practice and really looking at that and seeing is there a way that we can help them to get past whatever it is that's happening Um, because I think a lot of things that our children do are not just purely behavioral like they're not just doing it to bug us they're not there's usually a reason a reason and I think if we just take the time to kind of figure out what that reason is um, that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, too, that's helpful with kids is just validating for them. So even when you find out what it is that's going on, maybe you can't necessarily fix the problem for them, but validating that that does sound like a big problem and that does sound hard, and I can I hear you that you don't want to go to school today. That sounds really hard. Um, sometimes they just want to be heard, you know, and to mm-hmm to have that um, understanding and even like relating to them like I know sometimes I don't want to go to work and that is a really hard thing but we just have to do it um, and hope that we have a better day today or hope that you know things work out mm-hmm. um, aside from that though I think I've actually got a question similar to this the other day um, just somebody who was really struggling with their morning routine like their child was just dragging everything out and um, pushing back and like not getting ready and it was taking them two hours to get out the door every morning and I think um, sometimes those things can be related but figuring out that morning routine and including your child in that so we kind of talked about this last time about a bedtime routine and having your child participate in that. Like, what do you want to do first when it's time to go to bed? Do you think we should brush our teeth first, or do you think we should read a story first? Should we get a drink of water first? Like, what do you think? And I think that those things could be adapted into your morning routine or into your routine for of getting ready for activities, like first soccer practice. Do you want to have a snack first, or do you want to get your uniform on? Just kind of helping um, your child to have some control over those things because I think it can go back to them just feeling like they don't have control. You know, they have to go to school um, and they don't have control over that, but where could we give them some control to help them feel a little bit better? Those are excellent insights. And when you think of it in terms of us as adults, when we don't want to do something or we don't want to go somewhere, we have the power to choose, like we can cancel that appointment. We can do it another time. We can just not go. And, and But we don't have that external struggle with somebody else involved. And so our child does have that struggle. And so relating to that sentiment, like you said, like, oh, sometimes I don't want to go to work either. But, you know, adults have a better way of mind over mattering and understanding long-term consequences and cause and effect and things. But still empathizing because we have those same sentiments all the time. And sometimes we do get out of it. You know, and our kid, we often don't give our kids that same permission. Yeah, it's so true, and also, like, um, within that, it's a good area to teach them some coping strategies, too, like, when things are hard and we don't want to do them, 
what can we do to help make it easier for ourselves or, you know, just to show them, um, because long term, if all we're ever doing to our kids is saying, you have to go to school because I told you so, Mm -hmm. just get it together, you know, pull yourself together and go, we're not really teaching them anything other than we're in charge, you do what I say. But in their lives, that's not really going to benefit them, right? Like, how we need to help them figure out that, yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't want to do in our life that we still have to do. How can we make it easier for ourselves to do those things? Yes, exactly. And that's why I'm not above, you know, bribery and sticker charts and things like that because we create you know, incentives for ourselves as adults all the time, you know, to to get myself to the gym, then something else happens after it. Or, you know, if I clean the house for 35 minutes, then something else happens. That's the way the world works. That's, that's fine. Yeah. We want the intrinsic motivation as well to some degree, but sometimes you do have to put a little incentive into place that's, that's reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that true? I yes. mean, if we have a job and we, our motivation to go to our job a lot of times, when things are hard is, okay, but I have to go today because I'm going to get paid or, right. you know, there's going to be that reward for me for going to work even if it's not intrinsic that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, why do we expect different from our children, right? Like, they need to have some type of motivation sometimes. Maybe not all the time, but sure. sometimes for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, now kind of going along with that, in our home we are struggling with back talk. And so I'm really glad that I have you on the phone to basically say, my friend is a problem with back talk. <laughs> you know, just, just the sass that comes from wanting to exert their power, maybe get a reaction, back talk to me, back talk to their siblings. How do we help our kids to speak respectfully and and understand the boundary of yeah they they do have control over what they say and there are certain things that are not appropriate yeah um so i get this a lot in a lot of different ways like a lot of different questions about disrespect whether it's back talk or just different behaviors that parents kind of perceive as being disrespectful and this is a fine line of course, because we want to teach our children to be respectful and we want to teach them that it's important to be aware of how you're speaking to other people and giving people respect. But at the same time, a lot of times we make these situations about us as parents and they really aren't about us. Um, If a child is back-talking you, I think a lot of times our first response is to, like, back talking back, you know? Yes. Don't talk to me that way. We don't talk like that in this house. I'm your mom. You do what I say or whatever. Um, and we feed into that back talk because it does bother us so much because we want our children to respect us. But um, I think a lot of parents make that mistake of back talking back or stomping around back, you know, getting upset because they're taking it personally. And a big strategy or a big like way that I like to think of this is like a tug of rope, tug of war with a rope. And our child's being disrespectful and they're pulling that rope and then we're getting mad and we're pulling it back and we're just going back and forth and back and forth. And um, clearly that's not effective. And the best thing to do in those situations as a parent is to just let go of that rope for that time, for that moment. Let your child do this back talking that they're going to do or do this stomping around that they're going to do and don't 
do it back to them because mm-hmm. you're not going to help. Allow them to have their moment, whatever it is. And it's kind of the same with like toddlers and tantrums. You know, I really believe that we just need to kind of let them feel that for a minute, let them get it out, let them stomp it out, whatever they need to do. And then we can come back to it in a minute, you know, when they're calm, when things are feeling a little bit better, then we can come back and say, I hear you, you were really upset that I wanted you to go to school today. Um, That can be really hard. I saw that you were angry because you were yelling at me or you were talking back to me, and I understand that you felt angry about that. But you need to know that talking to someone like that is not an okay way to solve the problem. So next time, we can try this or we can try that. But not trying to teach a lesson in a moment of anger because you're not going be effective yes when you do that yeah so making sure that you're de-escalating yeah. it or letting it pass or separating yourself so that you're not stirring the pot and increasing the level and then comes the teachable moment yes right yep, okay exactly and um also within that too some of the messages that i get from parents about respect and disrespect i kind of often challenge them to stop and take a step back and think is that really like an area that you want to push on Mm. is it really that big of a deal you know um I keep saying stomp around because I get a lot of times people say oh when my um son doesn't get what he wants he just stomps around the house and pouts and I am like well I I get that but you know what like don't we kind of stomp around and pout too sometimes don't Mm -hmm. we sometimes feel mad that we don't get what we want and I actually think in some ways, that's a healthy way to express their emotions. So I think um, it's important for us to look at our expectations of our kids um, and think about, is that really a battle that we want to fight right now? Mm. And and, you know? and when you started addressing the problem, you said perceived disrespect. And so it really does have to do with our perception of what is acceptable, what is not How does this affect me as a parent? How does it reflect on me as a parent? And it really has to do with our perception more than just isolating the behavior. Because in a vacuum, we may or may not respond to some of these behaviors. It's more the onlooking eyes in the grocery store or, you know, things like that. Yeah, that is so good. And what we perceive as disrespect, and that's why I say perception, Mm -hmm. we perceive it as disrespect because we're adults and we know the difference between respect and disrespect. And we know what we expect someone to communicate. But our kids don't really know that yet. And we perceive it as disrespect, but all it really is is an attempt on their part to communicate to us Mm. something, usually an emotion, usually something like that. So if we can stop and take ourselves out of it and take a minute to, like, dig deeper and think about, okay, what is this communication? What are they trying to tell me? And see if we can help them with that area. And then we can go back and discuss with them, hey, like, I, um, what you did back there was not exactly the best way to tell someone that you're upset or something, you know, and readdress um, the way that they spoke to you. But in the moment recognizing this is not about me this Mm. is just about them trying to communicate something that they need and how can I help them with that so good and this doesn't have to just do with backtop apply this to any situation where there's potential contention and potential escalation that could occur 
and just like what what is my perception of what's going on and how can I step away for a second and then address it yes yeah. oh you're and genius when, <laughs> and when um, I've talked about this before people kind of push back with me a little bit on this and say well like you can't just let your kid get away with this they can't just walk around acting like this all the time what are you going to do about that and I I mean, we kind of have said that we're going to teach them in the later moment, but we also, the most effective, powerful way that we teach our children is through modeling, is through our own behavior. So if our kid is backtalking us and we don't backtalk them back, we stay calm and we stay respectful and we behave the way that we feel is a respectful way to behave, we're teaching them. Even though we're letting them do that to us in that moment when they're upset, our modeling of an appropriate way to respond is teaching them. But if we do the tug of war rope, that's not modeling for them appropriate behavior. That's just feeding in to their behavior. Right. And let's say, for example, that your child's being physical as a way of expressing anger or what they want or whatever. So they're hitting their sibling. If you're yanking them out of that situation with force and physicality, we are further enforcing that to get our way, we use physical force, right? Exactly. Ah. Exactly. And that's always a big one that, you know, we all do it. We've all done it in those moments. But sometimes when you're an onlooker and you see that mom who is like yelling at their kid, stop yelling. You're being so loud. And you think it almost makes you laugh a little bit because you've been there before and you know how frustrated that mom's feeling. But you're also thinking, oh man, we're yelling at our kid not to yell. Like, we're not setting the right example. So. Oh, I've totally done that. I've done that exact same scenario. But I've now I'm, that I'm aware of it, yeah, we can catch ourselves. It doesn't mean we're not going to fall into that again. But catching yourself is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. Okay. The next question is, my child very commonly goes to extremes. If he loses a board game, he never wants to play the game ever again. If he makes a mistake in soccer, he's done playing forever. How do we help them work through extremes? And again, I mean, it kind of goes back to back talk a little bit. Like, do we acknowledge what they're saying about these extremes or do we just let it pass because we know it will kind of fade away? How do we kind of handle that? Yeah. Um, so this kind of, there's a few different things here that you could try and, a big thing is kind of, I feel sometimes like a broken record saying this, but our children just have big emotions, you know, and mm-hmm. they they haven't learned yet how to cope with those emotions or even sometimes how to label them or how to identify how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. And that's why it's really important for us to um, help them to identify it by giving it a label like, wow, I can see that you're feeling really mad. And here's how I know that you're mad. You told me that you um, didn't like losing that board game and you got angry, but I knew that because you were yelling, because you were stomping, because you said you'll never play again. I can see that that made you really mad. Um, It's okay to be mad. It's hard to lose a game. You know, just really validating them and not putting any more statements on that. Because sometimes we try to say, um, I can see that you were mad, but... You need to calm down, or but you need to do this. And you can get to that later, but in those moments of emotion, it's just validating without any contingencies, just saying, I can see that you're mad. 
and it's okay to be mad. I get mad too. Um, sometimes kids just need that. And then once the emotion is passed, you know, you can go back in and then add on those things. Like, I, you were really mad about that board game, and it made you feel like you never wanted to play again, but um, it's important to learn that it's okay to lose, we have to try again, you, there's always another shot, you know, trying to help with those things and help them to see um, that, I don't know, that there's another side. You know, you can feel mad and that's normal, but you have to come out of it and try again and you probably will feel better and be more willing to try once you've calmed down. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we do in special education that I've always wondered, like, why doesn't everybody do this with their kids, is we use something called social stories. And I've talked about this a little bit on my Instagram, and people were like, what? (laughs) Why have we never heard of this before? And I've always found social stories to be a really good way of helping kids through these moments, helping kids who get frustrated when they lose a game, or we often use it for kids who get upset that they're not at the front of the line every time. Or um, those little social skills that kind of go along with emotions, but learning that there's kind of an order in the world, there's kind of a way that things work, and this is my place in that. So what social stories do is they, um, they're they often written in the first person, so the child reads the story with their family of like, um, my name's Jessica, I go to school and I love my friends. Sometimes we play games in school and I don't always win the game. And that makes me really mad, and here's the things that I do when I feel mad. But then here is what I can do instead, and kind of laying out um, some strategies of what to do when you feel mad or what to do when someone else wins the game. You could say, good job. You could say, nice game. Um, You can take a deep breath. You can get a drink. You can do all of these different things when you feel mad about someone else winning the game. And But what we do with these social stories is we read them all the time. So we don't just read them when we know that a game's coming up, but we don't just read them when we know that that we're about to stand in line and the child's going to be mad. We read them at those times, too, but we also read them all throughout the day. And these um, just kind of help to get that child's mindset there, like, yeah, sometimes I lose and this is what I could do. And then when those moments come, you can say, oh, remember your book? So remember how we read in your story, we don't always win. What are some things that you could do that you learned from your story of how to cope? And this can really be adapted in so many different ways and for so many different ages. Um, I even tell people like with teenagers or older children just to watch a movie with them sometimes and point out in the movie like, oh, did you see that? Um, His team lost, but what did he do? Like he was okay. He went and shook their hand and said congratulations. That's an awesome thing to do when you lose a game. Mm. So finding those examples in life, like with, with for younger kids, we kind of have to manufacture them with these social stories because there's not a lot of examples of standing in line or sharing your toys. But anyway, just finding different things um, that you can use to just bring these discussions up with your children before you reach those hard times. Um, and just doing it all the time so that it's in their brain and they're figuring out, okay, this is the social skill that I need to practice in those moments of extreme. That Does is that make sense? so absolutely. <laughs> I can talk about these forever. And so yeah. it's kind of an abstract thing to like to describe. Yes. But I'm, if you go to Pinterest and just type in social stories, first of 
while you'll see a ton. Or you can get specific. Like you can type in social story for losing gain and you'll see all these stories that come up that you can find one that works for your child. Um, and there's some for older kids and some for younger kids and a lot of teachers have already just gone in there and put in the work to create these for us and you can customize them, you can do whatever, but I feel like social stories are a huge thing that everyone can use. It was kind of born in special ed, but it is it is wonderful for all kids, truly. Wow. That is so incredible. What a great resource Pinterest is and Googling it. And I mean, there's just so many unlimited resources. But I think if you're in an especially challenging season right now and you're dealing with a lot of behaviors, what would you say to that mom? Pick one or two to really focus on at a time or how do you how do you prioritize those? Yeah, I would say pick one okay. and get going with that social spring if you feel like that's the route. Or, you know, another thing that kids respond really well to, and like I use the movie example for older kids, but like video modeling, so you could even take a video at their next soccer game if the problem is losing, and you could focus on like a child who lost really well, mm. who handled it really well, and you could show that back to your child on, their, on your phone, like, look at this guy, he lost the game, he was on the other team, he lost, but look what he did, he walked over and he shook hands, and maybe he was upset, but he took a deep breath, and then tomorrow he came back, and he played again, and his team won the next day, so it's important to try again, but, you know, and using just that one thing, but chances are that that is going to bleed into those other issues that you're having too, you know, that yeah. learning those um, coping strategies or learning those skills for that specific scenario is still going to continue to benefit them in other areas too. So I would just pick one and see how it goes and see how, um, what adaptations need to be made or, you know, how if you need to change it for another one. But I really think that just focusing on one at a time is a great idea because you don't want anybody to be overwhelmed. Right. Or feel like they're always in learning yeah. mode or under a microscope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that just reminds me how amazing parenting is and how special it is when we work so hard with our kids to teach them, you know, how to behave properly and to make good choices and things like that. And when they start making those choices unsolicited on their own, and even more than that, when they take what we taught them in one scenario or what they learned in one scenario and they transferred it to a completely different scenario spontaneously, does that just light you up like yeah. it does me? so awesome it's so cool and that's the kind of the thing too is that um, in special education a lot of times kids don't have the ability to generalize those skills and so that's why we do this like really explicit teaching and in special ed we probably have to do a social story for every single thing right Mm -hmm. but our kids without disabilities are going to just be able to do this so much faster so yeah they're going to be able to take this this one thing that they've learned and generalize it to other areas of their lives And an important part of that is that we are going to praise them, right? We're going to notice that very first time that they lost the game. And even if they got mad, the the time that they did one one of those things right, they walked over and they shook the hand of the teammate who won. And we're going to say, holy cow, I saw you do that. That was amazing. You walked over, gave him a handshake, even though you felt mad, that was so cool and did you see like how much easier that was and how your team how is the twist on the opposing team how nice they were like you know you're gonna really point it out and that's gonna feel so good to them it's gonna feel better than being mad and they are gonna take that and move it into different scenarios 
so good. You are so good. You're so, so smart. Okay, so even though you know all of these things inside and out, can you just give me an example of a time where you didn't do this really well, like any of this? <laughs> because I think sometimes we think some moms are just doing it all right. Like when you know better, you do better. But even that yeah. doesn't always apply. Like we still make mistakes and that we're still human. So tell me that's true. <laughs> yes, it is so true. And I have, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but I tend to freeze because okay. I have so many things in my brain and I have so many, so much of this stuff that I get afraid, oh, I'm going to do the wrong thing. So sometimes I just sit there and I do absolutely nothing, hmm. um, especially with my own kids because I freeze up and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. But um, as an example of this, just the other day, I um, we took the both of our kids out to dinner, which is always hard. But it was it was especially hard this day for some reason. And Luca, he does a lot of yelling and screaming and hollering because it's the only way that he can communicate. It's the only way that he knows how to use his voice. And as Poppy, um, she's about 19 months now, she starts, she starts to really be aware of, like, what's going on with Luca. She's starting to mimic his behavior a lot. Mm. And that's really frustrating because, you know, you can allow Luca to do certain things, but we don't want to allow Poppy to do certain things. And that's a really hard concept for her to understand. But anyway, we were in a restaurant, and they were both screaming, which I can usually deal with Luca screaming, but Poppy was doing it just to kind of, see what happened and I was so frustrated I almost told my husband we are leaving this place like I can't do it this is crazy my instinct was just to sit there and tell her to shh, shh, be quiet be quiet you know mm-hmm. and I had to stop and say this no like get hold on mm-hmm. get control of yourself if somebody else was asking you what would you do what would you do and I had to really think it through what would I tell them to do well I would tell them to ignore Poppy to let her scream and cry and do whatever she's doing because she I know she's doing it to get my attention and then when she stops screaming even for half a second I'm gonna praise her and get play with her and be silly and say oh my gosh you're being so quiet that's so awesome and praise her for that so she sees that the way to get attention for me is not by screaming by being quiet and I thought why do I know that in my brain but it was so hard for me to put it into practice so that was definitely a time that I lost my control and that happens daily so please don't ever think that I'm just like super nanny that I always do the right thing all the time because I definitely don't but I think all of us can benefit from that step back like just stopping for a minute and saying okay Yes. What what should I do here? Because I think sometimes we just want to solve it so fast and be so reactive. And it's okay to take a minute for yourself to really think it through. Okay, what am I going to do right now? Yeah. Or I love and, that question, yeah. what would I tell somebody else right now? Because it is yeah. a thousand I- times easier to talk about parenting than it is to parent. Let's be yeah. really real about that. So even the best parents, which I think you are among the very top – we all still deal with that, right? And so just lowering that expectation of perfection and realizing you can know all the right things, but sometimes it takes a second to recall and then to actually put it into action. And if you don't do it perfectly, that's fine too because it's all information for the next time. And, you know, just giving yourself a little bit of space on that. But 
that's that's always good yeah. to know. Okay, Jessica, you just put out an ebook. I did. What on earth? You're amazing. <laughs> okay. Tell me what's in, in the ebook. Where can people find it? Who's this for? Okay, so I um, it's kind of a funny little quick story of I just started to get I love Instagram and I love to be on there and I'm gonna of course still give out information on Instagram. But I reached this point where I was just getting every day I probably get fifty to a hundred like really specific parenting questions that people ask me um, with scenarios like similar to the one that I just gave about Poppy and I have always taken it really seriously that I sit down and I respond to those and I give people like the best answer that I can give um, and I'm starting to realize you know I've got this new job coming up I I am not going to have time to do this for everyone even though I really really want to and so I thought you know what and a lot of the time I'm giving the same answer so these same strategies that I use and that I've say they can be used among so many different scenarios and I thought why don't I just make this into something that I can just say hey like grab this book and it will give you the answers you need because these are the answers you know Mm -hmm. um and so I don't know like I just decided one day I'm gonna write this ebook and I sat down and I just did it and I don't I still don't even know how it happened so basically (laughs) It takes my top four, like, I don't even want to call strategies, but my top four, like, pieces of advice or things to include into your parenting life to make it more positive, to make it, to make yourself a more effective parent, and just to kind of improve the culture in your home. Um, so I, it's got four things, four major things, um, just big parenting strategies but then within that I've got a lot of case studies in there that I think people find really helpful to read another situation and how um, this was applied to it um, and then I also have a 30-day positive parenting challenge so it's just something that you can start and say okay for 30 days I'm going to try um, a different thing each day that's going to I'm going to just try to see if I can make my parenting game a little more positive and kind of stray away a little bit from the negative because that positive parenting you know is kind of, is all about prevention and all about um just everybody in the home feeling happier and avoiding some problem behaviors from popping up so it's just a challenge to see like try these things for 30 days and then see how is it going in your home mm. after you've done that so there's yes. tons of information in there, and I seriously think that, like, 95% of the parenting questions that I get asked on Instagram could be answered with this book. Oh, And gosh. then Amazing. people have it, like, in their pocket, yes, you know? like to refer to. You can put it on your phone. You can put it wherever. Yeah, you can pull it out instead of having to, like, send me a message and wait for me to get back to you because I'm still going to get back to you. That's the problem is that I can't, I can't let it go. So even though I did this, I'm still going to be in there with my messages, but... You know, you can just get a quick answer mm. and have it in your pocket. So it's, I'm really excited about it, and I just, I'm, I'm so excited, and I hope that people are excited about it too and find the information that they need in there. I love that. I love that. And I love that you are so passionate about sharing all this information and you have this desire to help so many people, but that you, this is also kind of a self-preservation tactic in order to answer more questions to more people and cover your bases while still kind of, okay, how can I, I can't keep up at this pace. What else can I do? And you created a solution for that, which is amazing. So where can people find it? Yeah. So on my blog, I have a link. 
Um, and you can find that on my Instagram as well. I am so not tech savvy, and I'm telling you, nobody wants to come help me with my website. But anyway, you can just go to my blog and find the link there, um, or I'm always on my Instagram. I've got a little highlight bubble there. Um, so you can just click right through that link, and it will take you directly to the sales page of the ebook, and you can just snag it, and then it goes right to your email inbox and you can choose what to do you can download it into your iBooks on your phone or your tablet you can download it onto your kindle um you can put it you can print it and bind it if you want and some people are more like hard copy people and mm-hmm. so that's another thing that you could do but you can do all of those things if you want whatever works best for you Okay, I'm going there right now after we're done, after I hang up. We are purchasing that. I need this in my life, Midsummer. You are so amazing, Jessica. Thank you so much for answering these pointed questions, and hopefully people can view it in a more general way um, to have them really apply these really concrete principles, not just specific answers to specific questions, to their life to improve improve their parenting and their family culture. You're just so wise. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I always love talking with you. You're the best. Have a good day. You too. I always love having Jessica back on the show and I hope that if this is your first time hearing from her, you'll go back to her past episodes. I'm linking to everything in the show notes at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. I'm also linking you to her amazing parenting ebook, which I have purchased and it is so simple, clear, concise, and it's just more of what you heard today and what you hear from her Instagram on Skip to My Luca. Check that out. Pick it up. It's supporting an extraordinary mom and it is adding more tools to your tool belt as you're trying to do the best you can as a mom. So, so good. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook, Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up this next Tuesday, I have a fantastic episode for you, you guys. You are going to love Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed. My guest is Anna McFarlane. You might know her as Anna is the worst or kids are the worst, things are the worst. And I didn't even know she had dogs are the worst. <laughs> She is truly an extraordinary mom of four and she's very passionate about social media and the role it can have for good in our life and then the parameters to set up as well. She's a marketing expert and so she gives us her spin on the whys and the ins and outs of social media and how it impacts us so very much, even more than we're even aware of. And then also how we can create a useful tool of social media in our home or useful parameters surrounding internet usage in order to keep our children safe and to keep accountability there while also increasing communication in our home around all topics. I mean, it's just, it's the best. And we talk about her motherhood journey. So if you love Anna as much as I do, you're going to love getting to know even more about her motherhood journey. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, everybody. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.